As you are aware by now, intimacy is this month's theme. So when our minister wanted a speaker for July 21st, and I thought maybe the practice of mindful meditation has brought me up close and personal with all things me. And so I am qualified to riff on the subject of intimacy from the angle of into me I see. Obviously intending to widen the topic from self to other, as in other people and other things. You know, the term intimacy, as it affects people, can be experienced as the heartfelt request, into me see. Real intimacy is an act of generosity. And in the moments that another person really sees into us, we feel alive as if we've been found, as if someone has taken the time to peer into our depths and really see us there. Imagine that. And if that is already part of your experience, be ever so grateful. My reference to intimacy with all things comes from the expression, enlightenment is intimacy with all things, words attributed to Dogen Zenji, a 13th century Japanese Buddhist priest, a writer, poet, philosopher, and the founder of the Soto School of Zen in Japan. As for enlightenment, it is about awareness. And lately, we hear the word awareness in the term woke, meaning, I get it. My eyes are opened. To be enlightened, then, is to be aware of what is actually happening more than it is to be well-read or big on concepts or heavy into dogma. Enlightened like woke means up close and personal with what is there to be known. Whether or not we can claim to be enlightened, intimacy itself has lots of uses one of which was put forward by Robert Thurman, an American Buddhist author and academic, who has written, edited, and translated books on Tibetan Buddhism and is the father of actress Uma Thurman, among others. He says, intimacy is a way to find oneself in others and expand beyond self-centeredness. That's big, to find oneself in others, and expand beyond self-centeredness. He explains it this way. Once you don't feel your own identity is challenged, and you don't feel invaded or disturbed by what other people are feeling and thinking, you automatically have a broader view. When this happens, you can feel close to other people without being paralyzed with self-consciousness. When I read what he said, I had to admit that I often do feel invaded or disturbed by what other people are feeling and thinking, and I don't automatically have that broader view. But I also see that clinging to self-identity is a habit that closely connects 
to a self-importance habit as well as the self-comparing habit and the self-preoccupation habit. All habits we UU congregants covenant to move beyond or at least accept in each other. Thurman says through intimacy, we can move toward thinking of ourselves as more than a skin-enclosed being. We do this when we recognize that the feelings of others are at least equal to our own. And since there are more others, we become naturally more preoccupied with others. And this awareness of others shifts our focus of attention toward altruism. And it isn't that we feel we will soon be a saint and perform endless charitable acts. It is altruism because we see what others want and how they see things. When they feel unhappy about the way things seem, that bothers us. Because we can feel how they feel, we don't want them to feel unhappy. And in this way, we can become happier. Altruism at a very high level. I say, but in ordinary day-to-day ways as we go about our business, we are intimate with all things when we try to be more open, don't insist on being right, don't insist on being the better one, etc. We truly approach intimacy when we meet others without being already certain as to who they are and what they are about. Certainly, the seeds of intimacy are in that. The more we know ourselves, the more possible it becomes to mix our life with another's, a mingling of souls, a sharing of hearts. Currently, I claim that I am having that experience with my dog, Foxy. Surely dogs and people, as well as people and people, were designed to connect. Real intimacy makes us feel alive, like we've been found. Until then, until we experience true intimacy, we will feel passed over and ignored like someone is looking right through us. You know, Foxy and I haven't quite reached that level of relationship yet. But pet love does help. Having revealed feeling connected to a dog, I need to say something about my fairly new relationship with Morrow Rock. Until not so long ago, I was giving Morrow Rock the cold shoulder. It began several years ago when I decided to relocate from the Bay Area to the Central Coast. I knew I wanted to be near water, so the realtor began sending me information about Los Osos, where my son and granddaughter lived, and Morro Bay, where I could find a residence with a view of Morro Rock. This was a big thing. A view of a rock? What was that all about? Knowing nothing... I reacted badly to the suggestion that a view of a rock should somehow serve as an incentive to take up residence in Morro Bay. I hope you don't miss the dismissive nature of my reaction to Morro Bay. 
It was dismissive. An aspect of me that was, is, a rock-sized block. It's a rock-sized block to having new experiences and not expecting them to what? To live up to the big ones in the past? Well, once I actually got up close and personal with Moral Rock, dog on a leash, and read all about its formation, the history of its, mar- of its uh, marvelous act of nature, the history of this marvelous act of nature, I dropped the attitude. Becoming intimate with the fact of its billions of years in the making, its belonging to the family of seven sisters, I felt humbled and shamed by my ignorance, which Buddhists call delusion that my not knowing had more gravitas than the fact of moral rock. If I should continue to allow a concept of moral rock or any concept that is not the thing itself to dominate the inner landscape, I will miss the chance to experience the vitality and creative fullness of reality. For in that moment of holding to a concept, Rather than experiencing the thing itself, I cease to live in the moment. I allow a patterned response to life to narrow the scope of present experience. And I could say much the same thing that applies to a relationship to local theater offerings and to music. If I were to dismiss what is available here, thinking nothing could be what it was in San Francisco or Oakland, What would that be about? Going beyond a pattern response to life means bringing our attention to the moment we are in. We become intimate with the life and the place we find ourselves. One way to become intimate with what is going on with oneself is to sit and commit to stillness for an agreed-upon time in order to own whatever arises during that time. Over time, paying attention, it's possible to become self-aware. And this awareness, coupled with compassion for self and others, reveals patterns of thought that make the sitter responsive rather than reactive. This kind of attention we give to ourselves as well as to others is important if we want to move nearer to the goal of being intimate with anything, let alone everything, all things. This type of attention called critical scrutiny, for example, won't lead to intimacy. We will have set ourselves up to judge, rate, and evaluate rather than experience. Take me in Morrow Rock, for example, without even having seen a Morrow Rock in person with only pictures to go by, I'm thinking, it is so small. What is the big deal? Mount Fuji was much more impressive when I glanced it through the window of the bullet train while living in Japan. Looking at the world through the lens of critical scrutiny distances us from the present moment and any chance at intimacy. 
and casting back to the past will distance us from the life we are currently living. A better kind of attention is one that gives us genuine contact with what is being attended to. It's an empathic attunement, not just to our own experiencing. It's about listening without judgment, first to ourselves. For me, meditation is the way to practice this open, non-critical, intimate listening, seeing, and feeling. But meditating is not the only way to practice being mindful, being in nature, becoming absorbed in a creative project. These also allow us to let go and let be. Being thus mindful, we are encouraged to let go of aspirations for any particular outcome. We just are. We let experiences be. We give them space and let them breathe. We let them speak for themselves. When experiences manifest without effort on our part and subside without effort on our part, we are practicing mindfulness. Being mindful, we don't, however, allow experiences to take us for a ride. As Buddhist teacher Jack Cornfield says, we sit like a mountain. Intimately experiencing phenomena blossom, persist, and fade. The world is manifesting through us. When we are mindful, we co-participate with all things as they co-arise in the world and mind. We are an integral part of the seamless web of being. How could it be otherwise? Clearly becoming intimate with all things is not an attempt on our part to remove ourselves from the vicissitudes of everyday life. Modern Western Buddhism and our own Unitarian Universalism view interdependence with all things as a positive good in and of itself. Realizing our unity with all things, that's what it is to be enlightened. And Foxy and I will look for you at Morrow Rock. <laughs>